With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. Uh, we are talking to you before Forest's home match against Arsenal. And I'm joined here by the 18... Well, most of the 1865 crew. So say hello, Adam. Hello. Say hello, Stephen. Hello. Say hello, Baz. Hello. And we're joined by Amilka as well. Hello. And um, um, we're not going to ask for score predictions because that's a dangerous game. But everyone, are we feeling confident today? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. That range range from yeah to sort of to a milker not wanting to put put her cards on the table. There, um, it's a glorious day. It's going to be a warm one. Uh, the sun is shining. Let's hope the forest can get a result, and we will be back with you in just a minute or two. Well, after that lovely get-together a little bit earlier, we then went to the game and it was tense. But by now you will know that Nottingham Forest have secured their Premier League status and also in the process deprived Arsenal of their chance of winning the championship. So, Baz, how do you feel after that? I mean, you mentioned earlier the word exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... um... It's quite. It was quite draining, <laughs> but but also amazing. Uh, it, the the atmosphere was incredible, and even when we were sitting really really deep, there wasn't any point where I like felt like I was biting the fingernails. It was it was just I don't know. I can't. I, I've never seen anything. It wasn't like Wembley where actually it was like really nerve wracking, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just. It was just intense. Well. Actually, so it's funny you should say that. So I was actually thinking that there were parallels with with Wembley a year Mm. ago um, because it was a slender lead. It was a first half goal. It was a situation where Forrest had to put in a rear guard action. But at the same time, like you said, Arsenal, I mean, the official stats show that Arsenal had 11 shots, three on target. I don't remember them having 11 shots. I don't remember Um, at all. And, and yeah, there was not 
we weren't feeling like we were in jeopardy or in peril, same as with the Huddersfield game a year ago. And then just to crown it off, we had the keeper going down off and going <laughs> yeah. off injured right at the end. So, so I thought there were some real parallels. And then the other parallel being, I've never heard a full-time whistle like it at the city ground because, <laughs> but it was like the full-time whistle at Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just relief, jubilation, all of the emotions coming out in one big cheer. And it was quite an occasion. Um, let's go back to the start, because I have to say the first 10 minutes of the match, Forrest not only looked like they meant business, but also I don't think I've, I mean, I've been going to the city ground for over 30 years. I think that's the loudest I've ever heard it. Uh, I keep there's this season. There's been like weeks where I've said that's the loudest I've ever heard it, and then three or four weeks later, I'll be like, that's the loudest I've ever heard it. Is <laughs> I mean, today I was sat in the lower Trent, which is um, different for me, uh, and I mean, yeah, the atmosphere was incredible. There was um, it's very very different to to where I normally sit, mm-hmm. but it was it it was amazing. Just everyone was really up for it. There was no complaining about anything that was happening, apart from maybe um, some of the Arsenal players shenanigans. Um, it was it was just brilliant, and I mean with with the game itself. Let's cover a few bits and pieces. So, yeah, Forrest started strong. And then after about 10 minutes, Arsenal did try and exert a little bit of pressure. And we saw Forrest go into a bit of a rearguard action. So we haven't even done the teams yet. So let's just <laughs> let's just cover that. Uh, so Forrest had Navas in goal. And then they had the expected lineup, which was the same as we had against Chelsea last week. So we had a back three of Worrell, Felipe and Niakate. We had Aurier and Lodi as wingbacks. Uh, Yates and Mangala sitting in midfield with Gibbs White and Danilo forming the box ahead of them and Taiwo playing up front. And I I was slightly surprised that we didn't have, we didn't start with John as a home game, but it also made sense given Mm. the, the the midfield that Arsenal could have. Yeah. And and Arsenal were trying something different, weren't they today? So um, when we heard the actual team, it's like, well, what are they going to do here? Mm. So, Usually Ben White's been playing at right back with Jakub Kirior as centre back alongside Gabriel. But actually what happened is that they put Kirior at left back, White as a centre half, and then Partey playing as a as a right back slash midfielder in a kind of Kyle Walker slash Trent Alexander Arnold kind of way. Maybe that's to try and make up for the fact that Zinchenko usually does that from the other flank. Mm. I thought it was an interesting um kind of Situation, but they seem to abandon it about halfway through that first half because Partey seemed to end up playing more as an orthodox right back. And I don't know, was that a last throw of the dice from Mikel Arteta? Do you think? I think so. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really follow what what's going on at their club, but I think they would say, yeah, their their injuries and whatever has caused them to to do this. And I'd say that's the reason their title challenge fell away is because their squad isn't big enough for that end of, to, to compete against Man City. Well, maybe they needed to sign 29 players. I yeah. don't know. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I expected them to be strong in the first half and then us to be strong in the second half. And it didn't really work out like that. As you said, we started off going straight for them. And then it just turned into the next 10 minutes after that was 
basically tippy tappy from them. I think they they got hit the, the roof of the net or something mm-hmm. at one point. Well, yeah, Gab- Gabriel Jesus had a, had a header from a corner. Uh, so there were some dangerous moments. So Gabriel Jesus had a header from a corner. So Felipe, I think it was Yates or Felipe um, inadvertently flicked it on. Jesus got his head to it at the back stick and it kind of hit the top of the bar slash roof of the net. Uh, then the one that annoyed me was that they took a deep corner. So Saka took the corner from the right-hand side and Trossard was standing on the edge of the 18-yard box with the freedom of Nottingham. Unfortunately for us, he got the shot wrong mm. um, and it went wide. But then a few minutes later, we let him do exactly the same thing again um, and they just weren't picking him up. And that was causing a bit of angst, I think it's fair to say, amongst the home crowd, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but... Um... I think um, I, I would say actually beyond that, as again, I was in the, the lower trend and quite low down. So my perspective on things is quite different to what it normally is. Um, but I think we soon picked up on that. There was there was much less of the normal this season's Nottingham Forest defending where we seem to go really, really well and then have a, a break in concentration and suddenly someone's left completely unmarked. Apart after that, that bit, those bits with Trossard, I think we sort of got ourselves into gear a bit on mm. that front. Also worth pointing out that from every corner that Arsenal had, there were what I can only describe as shenanigans in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot going on. And I mean, I think so. Yeah, so, I mean, they had they had six corners. And each time there was all kinds going on in the box. And I, I, I just wasn't particularly impressed with the uh, with the way in which these things were handled. To be perfectly honest, I thought that uh, the referee was pretty soft all the way throughout the game. Now, Although he did book Jesus for waving his arms about two, one time too many. Well, he did. But then he also booked Taiwo for... What looked like being shoved to me. Ty- Tywo's booking was was um, very cheap. I thought it it was a situation whereby he was trying to receive the ball on the halfway line with um, Gabriel just behind him, and Tywo put his arm out, but he didn't have his arm high, and I don't know if Gabriel stumbled into his arm, or whatever. But Tywo's arm made contact with his head. Fine. Okay. Was it a booking? No, not really. But I get the impression that that was the ref doing his I'm going to try and impose my mm. authority type thing. And it was just ridiculous because he didn't impose his authority on anything at any point. Um, so I was quite annoyed with that, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then there was also a booking uh, for Niakate in the first half for time wasting. Mm. And that annoyed me because I didn't, although he'd kind of, obviously Niakate runs over to take throw-ins, long throw-ins, and there was a couple of times when the ref said, are you taking it? OK, get on with it. But there's no point at which he kind of seemed to say, right, if you don't hurry up, then you're going to get a yellow card. And when he did get the yellow card, Musa was actually trying to confirm with the linesman where he should be taking the throw from. But by then, the ref had shown the yellow card. Um, I had no idea what that booking was for. Well, and then the other thing that's worth pointing out is in the second half... Um, so yeah, worth pointing out that Gabriel Jesus he went he went down in the box. It would have been the softest penalty you've ever seen. Jesus was absolutely livid, and he got a yellow card for dissent for the fact that he wouldn't stop grumbling about it. And then in the second half, um, 
there was an this was ridiculous. So there's a a bit where Morgan was trying to break uh, Gabriel uh, Magalhaes, a defender, uh, pulled him down mm. and was rightly yellow carded because he wasn't going for it was he was is a sort of cynical foul, I suppose. Mm. And then Morgan made sure that he kind of told Gabriel what he thought and it caused a bit of a melee. So the ref booked Gabriel for foul and then as an afterthought, he booked Morgan for the melee. And it, mm. again, it's just like, what what are you actually doing? I don't actually understand what you're doing here. Um, those kinds of things are annoying, aren't they? Yeah. And, and the... the, the refs went off to and the linesman went off to at channel if you don't know what you're doing at half time as well i remember that well yeah yeah and it is that thing whereby you kind of find yourself feeling that well what's the point because we're not going to we're not going to get anything from this ref he's going every 50 50 is going to so there were loads of times when arsenal players would fall over mm. and buy free kicks and when Forest players went over, and of course the thing that Yatesy likes to do, which is he'll wait for the shove in the back and then he'll fall over, the ref wouldn't give anything. Yeah. And there was four minutes of injury time in the first half and I had no idea where that came from. No, no idea, no idea. Um, right just before uh, the half-time whistle, Navas did go down and he seemed to be holding his groin. Mm. And we saw in the second half that Navas wouldn't take any goal kicks. So he was obviously actually injured. Um, But yeah, that was maybe a minute and a half. I have no idea where the rest of the stoppage time came from. The the, the celebration and the VAR check for the goal didn't take so long. Um, So... Lord knows where that came from. But anyway, we're, we're, we're ending up having a moan about what should be a jubilant day. And, so and actually, yeah, uh, the, the referee got the chance and stuff and and Arsenal were quite annoying in the way they went about their business. But actually, yeah, there wasn't much to moan about in the game. OK, so let's talk about something positive. Forrest scored after 19 minutes. Talk us through the goal. So Odegaard, who arguably has been their player of the season just lamely plays the ball backwards straight into the path of Morgan's Gibbs White. As soon as he received it, I thought he's going to do something here and he puts his head down, goes on the charge. He's got, uh, they've got two defenders back and you've got Taiwo on the right and Danilo on the left in front of Morgan Gibbs White who's charging down the centre at these two defenders. He plays the ball out to Taiwo and um, it's it's quite close between him and I, I can't remember was it Gabriel Gabriel the, yeah the defender uh, so Gabriel leaps in gets the ball off Taiwo's feet but only pushes it and obviously I, I've seen this on the replay now at the time it just you couldn't even see what was going on it happened for, so fast but he pushes it onto Taiwo's shin and it basically bounces over Ramsdale into the net and. What I liked about that, having seen the replay, is it reminds me of. So that's his like. This is the end, last home game of the season, and his first game, <laughs> his first goal he scored was also it just bounced in off his shin. But as the marriage on the Midlands has said on a number of occasions, that's a sign that Taiwo is getting into the right positions. Yeah, he's got a proper striker's instinct there. So we've talked on many occasions about how he, he we signed him as a rough diamond. 
Um, but he's really adding a lot of finesse. Uh, he got the sponsors man of the match today, even though he didn't play the full 90. Mm. He came off after 75 minutes. Um, he was absolutely, he covered a huge amount of ground. Covered did a, huge a lot of ground. Work. And again, it's one of those where their centre backs didn't know how to deal with him because you say finesse, but he is quite clumsy in the way he moves. And so they don't know what to do with him. Because of that, he's he's not he's not a traditional sort of light off the shoulder or whatever type of striker. He's not your your big target man or anything like that. They they don't know how to deal with him. Um. Well, and and that's that's true. Uh, and he, but all of that comes from hard work, yeah, doesn't it? Definitely. And and he he never stopped until and that's why he. Uh, that's why he can't play for ninety minutes. <laughs> because he's just he's a he's a he's a big lad. He he runs so hard. And I would also say that, um, you know, I would say the same about Morgan Gibbs-White, who, who never stopped today. No. And he got Sky's Man of the Match, and, and he was one of my Man of the Match contenders. Um, Tywo's on double figures now, so bearing in mind that a couple of those have bounced off his shin, mm-hmm. again, those are good signs for a, for a number nine, aren't they? That's it's what you want, isn't it? So, like, when you're... Well, well, I mean, they all count ultimately. It doesn't matter if it just bounces in off your ass. And most of the time, if you're doing that consistently, then you must be doing something right. Well, absolutely. And I would also just throw in there that, um, I mean, with the goal, and you've seen you've seen the replay, which kind of confirms that Gabrielle's tackle kind of hit Taiwan on the shin. What I would also say though is that at first glance. <laughs> I was going, that's an amazing finish because it looked like he was about to pull the trigger, yeah. just waited for Ramsdale to come and then delayed his shot and then passed it under him yeah. into, the, into the net where it's slightly more fortuitous than that. But the fact that he didn't pull the trigger early, which is the kind of thing, that's where you have, kind of have that feeling, oh, we snatched at it and, mm. and missed the chance. So again, that potentially is a sign of greater composure. Yeah, I might be clutching at straws there. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd say, like, if you think of Brennan at the start of the season, he was doing that. He was shooting too early when when he could have taken it a bit further, and and that's that's a sign of yeah him not being used to the league. So so for Tywa, yeah, to be able to to have that composure and have that patience and to find the right moment is is a, a good sign. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um... Also, uh, in the first half, so we talked about the bookings, we talked about Navas's injury, we've talked about the goal, and let's also, um, you know, we've talked about the referee. So the other thing to mention in the first half is that uh, when it came to performances, Forrest did actually, you know, we talked about the, the, the shape and the formation. What was really nice to see is that um, when Forrest were defending, Gibbs White and Danilo basically dropped into a flat midfield four. Mm. And uh, when they were attacking, then they did push forward and create that box in midfield. I would also like to preempt what we're going to say about the second half by saying that today, I thought the three centre-backs were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um I, I said earlier that there wasn't any complaining. There was one bloke complaining about Joe Worrell. Um, and he he did something. Oh, he, uh, yeah, the second half, he, he managed to shuttle the ball out of play. And he said, that's the best thing Joe Worrell's done or something like that. And I was like, what have you been watching? Because, mm. because the three of them, 
as I said, apart from those sort of early moments, there weren't. I didn't feel like there were any of those lapses in concentration that we seem to get from our defence. Yeah, I think there was just there was just one moment in this early in the second half where uh, the ball was coming through the left hand side of the Forest midfield and both Mangala and Niakato were a little bit slow, but I think that was also the speed of movement that mm. Arsenal have. So in the second half, um, Forest did actually probably have the better chances, yeah, I would yeah. argue. So um, f- after uh, a uh, Gibbs-White delivery, Felipe, who was up for the set-piece, he the ball came back to him from a right-footed cross from Renan Lodi, who for some reason was down mm. by the byline on that side. Um, and Felipe had his shot deflected wide. And then there was also... Uh, an effort where Saka got in at the far post. Navas saved it at his near post, but it was it was a routine save for yeah. the keeper. There was a few question marks over offside, but there was no real no. Uh, worry about that. Um, Jorginho had a, had a speculative effort, um, and and then as as the game went on, well. Actually, you know what? Forrest looked maybe a bit more likely. So Ben White gave the ball away and Morgan Gibbs-White uh, cut inside. His first touch took him, tried to take him round the keeper, but he, he the na- angle was too narrow, so he ended yeah, up putting him into side, side netting. Um, I think he'll be a bit disappointed with himself for that, don't you? But then there was the, the his his next effort, which... Um... Yeah, so let's... Um... Before we come on to that, let's talk about substitutions because Arsenal did make some changes. They put on Inketia and Tierney and it made me wonder why they were playing Kiwi or centre-half at left-back because Tierney caused some real problems with his pace and mm. basically he just had a sprint sprinting race with Serge Aurier and won pretty much every one of them, didn't he? Yeah, and and I wouldn't say they looked more threatening but they definitely... They they were quite slow paced until he came on. Mm-hmm. It was just like tippy tappy, keep the ball and not really go anywhere. Whereas they they actually moved the ball better because because he was giving them options. Yeah, and of course you know pace is such an asset um, and so difficult to defend against. Um, Forest when they made their substitutions, uh, so the uh, first change saw uh, Taiwo go off. And he was, sorry, beg your pardon. The first change saw Danilo go off. Danilo had been struggling um, Mm. with, he'd went down injured. And then despite a couple of attempts to treat him and him saying he wanted to stay on, he then also, he he, he had to come off and he was obviously struggling. I didn't really see what happened to him, but it looked like an impact injury, didn't it? Yeah, Um, yeah, I didn't really see it. And so Kuyate came on in a straight swap. So Kuyate covered the left of midfield. And then Taiwo and Felipe went off. Uh, Taiwo was obviously a bit tired, as you'd expect. Felipe looked like he'd, he maybe picked up a knock somewhere along the line. He had gone down in the first half and yeah. he seemed to be holding his back, didn't he? Mm. Um, so Bolly came on and Johnson came on and those were straight swaps. Uh, for the record, the final substitution was on 90 plus nine minutes when Navas succumbed to his injury and was replaced by Wayne Hennessy. Um 
so there were those changes and Arsenal also made um, another uh, change with uh, Fabio Vieira coming on who as far as I could tell contributed absolutely nothing to the <laughs> Arsenal team um, let's talk about that Gibbs White moment because I'm just going to start off by saying he got the ball in the right hand channel Arsenal were chasing the game so they had to chase back and you take over <laughs> well actually you've made the, the comparison before about um number 10s playing for Forest from from uh, Staffordshire <laughs> because it was a bit like that is he just had the ball and he ran at the defenders and he went this way and that way beat them beat them beat them the only difference was he just couldn't put the finish in yeah so I think uh, he must have beaten four defenders just running and, like, and some, zigzagging some, across the some of the them box. more than once yeah <laughs> um, yeah it was what you'd call a slalom slaloming run wasn't it and um and every stage, you go, he's going to run into trouble, he's going to run into trouble. And yeah, he retained the ball. Yeah. And then right at the end, yeah, I, I don't know if it was because he, I think it's because he was knackered. Yeah. Um, the, the shot just lacked the power and precision because it ended up being a relatively routine save for Ramsdale. Um, just about a minute after that, um, Morgan then went for a challenge down uh, near the uh, B block. And he celebrated winning that challenge from putting the ball out for a throw-in as if he'd just won the league. <laughs> so, um, and, and Steve Hodge said on the radio afterwards, well, you know what, that's probably because when you know your legs are going, you get every single ounce of energy. Mm. And so by geeing up the crowd, it gives you that, that power to keep going. And actually, a lot of the players were doing that today. They Aurier did it, Yates did it, Lottie did it. Um, Kiate did, did it. Well, Felipe yeah. did it. Yeah, and and not for the first time recently. We're talking about how Forest fans were actually able to be the twelfth man, mm. and and we have a lot to be proud of there, don't we? Mm-hmm. So, come Hennessy's moment, he comes on, he gets a drop ball because Navas has gone down when the ball's in play. He picks the ball up. He hoofs it upfield and straight away the ref, after nine minutes of stoppage time, blows the whistle. And as we've said, never heard a noise like that at the city ground at a full-time whistle. Arsenal had lost the title. Forrest was safe. Happy days. The 1865 Match Report. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Hi, this is Callum with the 1865 News. Um, I think the biggest piece of news to come out of the city ground this week is Felipe's here, of course. Um, he took he took that top knot off. He took the he took the man bun off, and he's still looking elegant. Um, we had George Shelby extend his contract this week, uh, so congratulations to him. Great news. 
and we had some exits as well. So we've had Will Swan, who has permanently moved to Mansfield uh, after his loan spell there, so good luck to him. And then we had the um, the sad news that Jack Colback will be leaving at the end of the season um, after some years at Forest, a couple of loan spells and a permanent move, um, a makeshift season at left-back to get us up to the Premier League. Um, and he's seen quite a lot, so good luck to him um, and thank you so much for everything. Um, but yeah, oh, and Forrest is staying in the Premier League, so <laughs> relax, enjoy, and um, I'll be back with the news soon. Cheers. Thank you very much, Callum. Welcome back to the 1865 match report. Uh, Baz, we've talked about the game and as as... As listeners will have noticed, we're a little bit muddled up, aren't we? It's, <laughs> it's been a day of high emotion and high drama. Um, did you ever expect, given the way that the last third of the season has gone, did you ever expect we'd be celebrating safety on 37 points with a match still to spare? No, <laughs> to be honest. I can remember at the start of the season we said, yep, yeah, I'll happily take 17th with just on goal difference. And then we got to that point where we weren't ravaged by injuries and we got up to 13th or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the slide happened as all the injuries hit again. And at its worst, and it was not long ago, like six weeks ago, something like that. Not even that. Yeah, 37 points. That seemed like an astronomical figure. It really did. It really did. So let's just talk about the the table so on 15th position at the time of recording West Ham are on 37 points but they've got an extra game in hand because they play uh, later this weekend Forrester in 16th 37 points from 37 games in your debut Premier League season well not debut but in your first Premier League season after after 23 years I'll take that yeah I'll take that um our goal difference is down to 30, minus 30. <laughs> um, so we no longer have the worst goal difference in the division. Um, in fact, we've got only got the third worst goal difference in the division. Um, Everton are the next team. They are four points behind us. 37 played, 33 points. And then currently, at the time of recording, the relegation places leads 31 points from 36 games, Leicester 30 points from 36 games, and of course we know that Southampton had already succumbed to the drop on 24 points on 36 games. I mean, that's... We'd always said, haven't we? Like, on this podcast, with the possible exception of Stephen right at the very start of the season, <laughs> we've always been realistic that 17th would be a victory, haven't we? Mm -hmm. um, we signed too many players... But actually, we've needed most of them because of the injury crisis. Um, we are going to reflect, obviously, on all of this in, in a huge amount more detail uh, as the season comes to an end. But I want you to give me your thoughts on Steve Cooper. I think, like, obviously, with the way Manchester City demolished Real Madrid the other day, Pep Guardiola has this thing as being the greatest manager in the world, the greatest coach in the world. But what Steve Cooper has done, he took a team that looked destined for relegation and got them promoted 
from the championship without really changing the players. And this was a set of players who had effectively been mid-table in the championship for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he got them promoted. And then he took an entirely new team, got them to gel and play together, and then managed to stick them back together when more players disrupted it and injuries disrupted it. I think what he's done is incredible. It's uh, it's it's like there must be something about the way he does his job that's totally different to everyone else because I can't really think of many managers who could do that. No, no, absolutely. Colin is the only one. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let's... I mean... Earlier today, you and I were sort of you telling me a, a, a Neil Warnock anecdote about mm-hmm. his man management skills, and this is the thing: Cooper has got obviously exceptional man management skills. You look at the way that the players hug him; yeah, it's like father son relationships, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a real warmth there. Uh, you look at the fact that tactically. He tried things and was found wanting, but he didn't panic about it and in fact this is something that was reflected upon in his post-match interviews with both Sky and Radio Nottingham so he was saying if I'm honest I'm really proud I'm really pleased if I'm honest it gives us a chance to keep building I know how much work needs to continue at the football club we've had to catch up with so many things since we got promoted everyone knows about what went on in terms of how we put the squad together and the injuries we got and he says also it's dealing with the hard times that defines you. This is my fourth season. My first three seasons, I won a lot of games. And I remember thinking or realising that this season that wasn't going to happen. I was going to lose a lot. But I said to myself, try to be your best after a loss. It's been good for me. I needed it. He, we go back to a theme from earlier in the season and from last season. He's either the greatest con man in the history of the world or he is actually one of the best young British managers around. He's also the only one that's won the World Cup. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I used to say this a lot when when, when Forrest were swapping and changing managers and then the new manager would come in and we'd do well for a bit and you'd, you'd have to like temper people's expectations a bit going, actually, you can't tell about a manager until they've been through the hard times. Now, Steve Cooper has been through some really hard times this season. Um, the number, like, the number of times I've read in press reports when they're talking about other clubs and then saying, "And Nottingham Forest approached their manager," mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like not even names that we'd heard of at the time. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously been this continual trawling by the club to find a replacement, um, which is normal, yeah, in but, modern football. But to to to, to get through that and still have that togetherness with the squad. And, I mean, um, I, I vaguely saw, a, like, a little interview with Joe Worrell, just reading when I was in the car on the way back, and he was saying about the togetherness where, like, everyone from the, the data analyst people to the kitchen staff are all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, saw, you actually saw that at the, at the end of the match where it wasn't just... It, it it wasn't just the playing staff yeah, who the were on the team, the staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, were, there were staff from the entire club who were on there and they were 
part of that family. And and we saw that at Wembley last season. There are loads of people there who are going, who the hell are they? Yeah. Um, and we will never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember a time when the clubs felt like that. And he, it might be coincidence, but it's it's happened at the time when Steve Cooper's been in charge of things. Well, the other part that I've got here is a quote from him. You have to suffer to get to where you want to be. That's what the players have done. In an age where it's easy to give up on people, the fans have never done that once and they've got their reward for that. So that is, I mean, I have no idea how spontaneous or how well thought through that was, but that is the perfect riposte to this current culture of you lose a few matches the manager must be at fault, get rid of the manager, get a new man in, because that cycle just goes round and round. And you look at the teams below us in the mm. table who are fighting. Now there's three teams fighting for for one place to stay in this division. Forrest stuck with their manager and we've got the reward. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Also, just as a slight aside, um, I've been watching Ted Lasso and in that the third season of that which isn't very good um but the the team have been promoted from the championship are in their first season back in the premiership and and they're struggling and all the way through the fans are having a go at the players and having a go at the club and it's made me really angry it's mm-hmm. like that's not what's happening at ours and and obviously it's a show aimed at an audience that don't knows nothing about football and they're going to think that's that's how it is but but it is how it is not except always. except except at forest this season yes we know that there's people who'll ring up phone-ins and people who'll comment on social media as if their opinion is worth any more than others that's always happened and now with social media it's very visible but at the ground at the city ground, the atmosphere has been so united behind the players and the manager. And that's one of the reasons why the manager has stayed in post. Because mm-hmm. Evangelos Maranakis, for all that he's somebody who likes to, you know, shake things up and, and change things about. I've said this before and I'm going to stick with it. He realised that Steve Cooper is the glue that holds the club and the fans together. And there was way more to lose than just changing manager if mm. he did that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he knows who he has to keep on side. And can we, just to finish off, can we safely say that Steve Cooper is the greatest forest manager for a generation? Definitely. It's now the morning after the night before and we've had a night to sleep on it. Uh, The adrenaline levels are still pretty high. I'm joined by Amilka and we just want to have a little think about a few things that that we talked about last night. Um, Baz and I had recorded our match report very much straight after getting home and so there's a few things that we wanted to reflect upon this morning. So Amilka, the first thing is... You did have to miss out on the playoffs last season. Um, Did being there yesterday partly make up for that? The reaction um, at the final whistle was immense, for starters. Um, It's the loudest I've ever, ever heard it in my entire um, attendance at the city ground. It was amazing. But it was the same all the way through. 
the the way we celebrate, the way we push the players on was amazing. Um, everyone felt like we're in unison all of the time. Um, and yes, again, my watch was telling me we were too loud, but I really didn't care. It also told me to be mindful as well, but there was absolutely no chance that that was going to happen. Yeah, just then. chill out, Milka. <laughs> um, and at the final whistle, you talked about the reaction of the fans and the sheer noise. And of course, as so often, we've had tweets from journalists and commentators. So Henry Winters said it before. Danny Taylor's obviously a Forest fan, but but Guy Mowbray, who was commentating for Match of the Day, he made the point that it's the loudest ground he's been to this season. And of course, his job is to go to grounds and, and, and to kind of reflect upon the atmosphere. One thing that's notable, at the final whistle... You had Joe Worrell, who had tears in his eyes, and a season of real ups and downs for him. He's made the club captain of his boyhood club. He then had a real up and down season, was out of the team for a lot. I mean, I thought, as we discussed with Baz earlier, I thought he was absolutely immense along with Nia Carte and Felipe yesterday. So you'd expect him to be emotional, but... Right in front of us, uh, in front of Lower Brian Clough, Renan Loddy was there. He doesn't even, he's not even a Forest player and he was crying as well. That says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it just shows how much it means to them as a team, how they've been brought together by Steve Cooper, about how much their fans mean to them, the, the way they're cheered on all the time, as all coming together. And it just, you can feel it, you can just feel that, difference in us um about wanting to really stay up be together continue like there's always been a doubt um with the city ground in previous seasons that whether we'd win or not but we just carried on um cheering them on and we really did push them over the line um i think this time and we were we we can feel the appreciation as well from the players from steve cooper um and it is really nice to hear that um, you could, you know it's the loudest it's ever been. But when other people say that it's definitely the loudest, it means a lot as well. Yeah, and, and it, it generates that feeling. You look at the, the Instagram uh, profiles of some of the pictures, some Instagram profiles of some of the players, sorry, and uh, including players like Lottie and Henderson, players who aren't even Forest players, and you know that they feel they've been part of something special this season. It, it was really good to be able to reflect on that afterwards um every single player put on how much it meant to them um and you know it always happens at the end of season as well but it, it was so nice to see all, everyone's family and then being able to celebrate with their families too yeah special mention for taiwo's kids who were basically adorable so they? cute yeah <laughs> yeah um and moving on from there one thing that we hadn't seen at the time that Baz and I were recording our match report yesterday, but but you and I um, just caught snippet of on social media, Evangelos Maranakis did an interview with Sky, didn't he? And in that, they asked him about sticking with Cooper as the head coach. Now, of course, someone like Maranakis as the owner of the club, as a, as a big businessman, as someone who likes to be in control, is going to say, yeah, of course I meant to do that, but... The way he said it, actually, it, there's a lot of heart and soul in there, wasn't there? And there's a lot of recognition about the role that the fans played in keeping Cooper in his position as head coach. Of course it would have been easy for him to, to change coaches as we've done many times over different seasons. And, you know, jokes have been made about how many times we change managers. But it, it really did feel like, yes, he could have changed it. 
but would it have made a difference? He really probably weighed up what it meant to us as fans, keeping Cooper there, staying behind him, and probably thinking as well that we it might not have made any difference to, to change. We, we might not be in this position now, and he really did take a chance. Um, I did like seeing him kiss all his um, relics um, to try <laughs> and get us over the line. It may have helped, it may not, but hey, try everything, I say. Everything helps, doesn't <laughs> it? And, and speaking of, of, of helpers, um, one thing that has been a feature, and Callum referred to it in his uh, in his news roundup. Um, so Felipe, the the darling of the city grounds, he cut his hair, and I'm not usually a fan of a man bun, but I think I speak for every red blooded male who for, follows Forest, and that's without thinking about all the red blooded females. <laughs> that Felipe is frankly the hottest thing in the East Midlands, and even cutting his hair, he still you know. We we were worried it would have a Samson effect, the fact he did it before the end of the season when there's so much in the balance. Um, I think a special mention for when the players took a quick drinks break when the ball had gone out of play and Felipe did what you described as a a Diet Coke moment. (laughs) I think it all kept us all going in that moment, but I think our heart rates probably went up slightly more than they were (laughs) even before. I felt, I told the person next to me, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, not just at that moment, but all the way through the game. And um, I think it's also worth pointing out, one thing that we noticed from watching the highlights back is that, apart from the fact he's devilishly handsome, um, Felipe also played the entire game yesterday with a big smile on his face. Mm. And I think that says it all, doesn't it? He so enjoys being there and he really revels in the appreciation that we um, we have for him. And also it was nice to see the pictures of the Brazilians all together and that they came to get the fans' flags, um, or the ball boys were coming across to get the fans' flags to take to them so they could take that picture together. That was really lovely. Okay, so we will leave it there. So I'm going to say thank you very much to Baz. Thank you to Callum. Thank you to Amilka. Thank you all for listening. We will be back with our match report. We've reported on every single Forest match this season. Uh, So we'll be back after the Palace match and we will be back with more reflections at the end of the season. In the meantime, thanks for joining us and we will be back with you very soon. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.